Welcome to PsalmsCast. I am Denise, and today is the 20th day of April. Greeting, friends. What a blessing to be here today, even while in the midst of a struggle. Here in the Bible, and especially in the book of Psalms, we find hope and guidance of how to face change, not with fear and trepidation, but with the sure knowledge that we are not alone in any battle. So let's dive into the pools of the Eternal's inspired messages to us here today. Come, let's allow the truth of the various Psalms, Psalm 20, Psalm 50, Psalm 80, Psalm 110, and Psalm 140 to wash over us and to wash through us. We're reading from the voice translation of the Bible. Let's take that brief moment to invite the Lord to be the focus for this time. Father, we come humbly here seeking you. We desire to draw near to you to experience your mercy and to experience grace in the midst of where we are today. We ask that you would generously pour into us your truth and your wisdom. You know how desperate we are. You know that we are searching for peace. We would desire to know your joy. Open our minds and open our hearts to all that you have for us here today. Transform our life. We desire to know you and to be known by you. Lead, guide, and illuminate as we journey. Psalm 20, a song of David. May the Eternal's answer find you. Come to rescue you when you are desperately clinging to the end of your rope. May the name of the true God of Jacob be your shelter. May he extend hope and help to you from his holy sanctuary and support you from his sacred city of Zion. May he remember all that you have offered him. May your burnt offerings serve as a prelude to his mercy. May he grant the dreams of your heart and see your plans through to the end. When you win, we will not be silent. We will shout and raise high our banners in the great name of our God. May the Eternal say yes to all your requests. I don't fear. I am confident that help will come to the one anointed by the Eternal. Heaven will respond to his plea. His mighty right hand will win the battle. Many put their hope in chariots, others in horses, but we place our trust in the name of the Eternal One, our true God. Soon our enemies will collapse and fall, never to return home. All the while we will rise and stand firm. Eternal One, grant victory to our King. Answer our plea for help. Psalm 50 The mighty God, the eternal, God of past, present, and future, has spoken over the world, calling together all things from sunrise to sunset. From Zion, that perfectly beautiful holy place, shines the radiance of God. Our God will come, and He will not enter on a whisper. A fire will devour the earth before Him. The wind will storm wildly about Him, 
He calls heaven above and earth below to assist in bringing judgment on his people. Gather up those who are aligned with me. Bring them to me. Bring everyone who belongs to me, who have made covenant sacrifice and the heavens shout of his justice. For he is the true God, an honest judge. Listen, my people, I have something to say. O Israel, my testimony comes against you. I am God, your God. I am not going to scold you because of your sacrifices. Your burnt offerings are always before me. I will not accept the best bull from your fields or goats from your meadow, for they are already mine, just as the forest beast and the cattle grazing over a thousand hills are mine. Every bird flying over the mountains I know, every animal roaming over the fields belongs to me. I would not come to you if I were hungry, for the world and all it contains are mine. Do you really think I eat bull meat or drink goat's blood? Set out a sacrifice I can accept, your thankfulness. Be true to your word to the Most High. When you are in trouble, call for me. I will come and rescue you, and you will honor me. But to those acting against him, God says, Who do you think you are? Listing off my laws, acting as if your life is in alignment with my ways. For it's clear that you despise my guidance. You throw my wise words over your shoulder. You play with thieves, spend your time with adulterers. Evil runs out of your mouth. Your tongue is wrapped in deceit. You sit back and gossip about your brother. You slander your mother's son. While you did these things, I kept silent. Somehow you got the idea that I was like you. But now my silence ends, and I'm going to indict you. I will state the charges against you clearly, face to face. All you who have forgotten me, your God, should think about what I have said, or I will tear you apart and leave no one to save you. Set out a sacrifice I can accept, your thankfulness. Do this, and you will honor me. Those who straighten up their lives will know the saving grace of God. Just a note about Psalm 80 before we begin. Psalm 80 is a communal lament composed in Judah, the southern kingdom, after the fall of Israel, the northern kingdom, in 722 B.C. Psalm 80 Turn your ear toward us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead the children of Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned above heaven's winged creatures, radiate your light. In the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, arouse your strength and power and save us. Bring us back to you, God. Turn the light of your face upon us so that we will be rescued from this sea of darkness. O eternal God, commander of heaven's armies, 
How long will you remain angry at the prayers of your sons and daughters? You have given them tears for food. You have given them an abundance of tears to drink. You have made us a source of trouble for our neighbors. Our enemies laugh to each other behind our backs. O God, Commander of Heaven's armies, bring us back to you. Turn the light of your face upon us so that we will be rescued from this sea of darkness. You took us like a grapevine dug from the soil of Egypt. You forced out the nations and transplanted it in your land. You groomed the ground around it, planted it so that it would root deep into the earth, and it covered all the land. As it grew, the mountains were blanketed by its shadow. The mighty cedars were covered by its branches. The plant extended its branches to the Mediterranean Sea and spread its shoots all the way to the Euphrates River. God, why have you pulled down the wall that protected it so that everyone who wanders by can pick its sweet grapes? The wild boar of the forest eats it all, and the creatures of the field feast upon it. O God, commander of heaven's armies, come back to us. Gaze down from heaven and see what has happened. Keep watch over this vine and nourish it. Look after the saplings which you planted with your own right hand, the child whom you have raised and nurtured for yourself. Your enemies have chopped it down and burned it with fire. May they be destroyed by your sight of rebuke. Let your protective hand rest on the one who is at your right hand, the child of man whom you have raised and nurtured for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Bring us back to life, and we will call out for you. O eternal God, commander of heaven's armies, bring us back to you. Turn the light of your face upon us so that we will be rescued from this sea of darkness. Before we enter into Psalm 110, I wanted to read what the voice had to say about this psalm. Psalm 110 may have been written to celebrate the coronation of one of David's sons as king. The Eternal invites the royal son of David to take his rightful place at his right hand, the place of power and authority, not just over Jerusalem, but over his enemies as well. But the royal son is to be more than a king. He is to be a priest according to the order of the mysterious and enigmatic figure, Melchizedek. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 24. God promises to give this royal priest king victory over his enemies as he marches out to war. This psalm is the psalm most quoted by early Christian writers in the New Testament. As they considered the significance of Jesus, they found that this psalm more than any expressed their conviction that the risen Jesus now occupies a unique place at God's right hand and will be victorious over his enemies. Psalm 110 The Eternal said to my Lord, 
Sit here at my right hand in the place of honor and power, and I will gather your enemies together. Lead them in on hands and knees. You will rest your feet on their backs. The Eternal will extend your reach as you rule from your throne on Zion. You will be out in enemy lands ruling. Your people will come as volunteers that day. They will be a sight to see. On that day, you will lead your army, noble in their holiness. As the new day dawns and dew settles on the grass, your young volunteers will make their way to you. The Eternal has sworn an oath and cannot change his mind. You are a priest forever in the honored order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. On the day that his fury comes to its peak, he will crush kings. You will see the dead in heaps at the roadside, corpse spread far and wide in valleys and on hillsides. Rulers and military leaders will lie among them without distinction. This will be his judgment on the nations. There is a brook along the way. He will stop there and drink. And when he is finished, he will raise his head. And our final psalm today is Psalm 140, a song of David. Save me, O Eternal One, from the evil men who seek my life. Shield me from this band of violent men. Their hearts devise evil. They conspire against me. They are constantly causing a storm of war. These snakes have sharpened their tongues. Viper venom hides behind their lips. Keep me from the grip of these cruel men, O Eternal One. Shield me from this band of violent men whose only intention is to trip me up and undermine all I do. Those arrogant people are trying to catch me. They've laid their trap, hiding a net along my path. Their traps are set, and I am the prey. Eternal One, I said, you are my one and only God. Hear me, O Eternal. Hear my humble cry for rescue. O Lord, Eternal One, power of my deliverance, you are my helmet in the day of battle. So do not fulfill the desires of these evildoers, Eternal One. Do not advance their evil schemes lest they brag about their successes. As for the gang leader of those who surround me, let their mischievous words cover them, smother them in trouble. Let hot coals fall from heaven upon them and cast them into the roaring fires. May they sink into the muddy marsh from which there is no return. Let no liar find a home anywhere in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent man and do him in quickly. I am certain the Eternal supports the cause of the distressed. The poor will receive the justice they deserve. Indeed, the just living will glorify your name, and honorable people will be at home in your presence. Honestly, I have no words today. This is such 
a rich and timely message in the midst of stuff. Do you understand the messages that we have read today, that we have heard? We are not alone. We are not expected to be the sole survivor of earthly battles. It is the Eternal One, our Eternal God, who sends out His angel armies to do the battle for those who are chosen by Him and those that are walking with Him in right standing. Those of us who are hearing and reading the powerful testimonies of the Eternal's love, His faithfulness, His power, and His strength. Those of us who are opening our hearts and our minds to His Spirit, who will live within us, kicking out the junk, helping us to confess our rebellion and our sin, literally transforming our lives so that we are able to praise and to worship the Eternal as He ought to be worshipped. I want to share another excerpt from the writings of A.W. Tozer today. This one is titled, Those Sanctifying Effects of Suffering. Instant Christianity tends to make the faith act terminal and so smothers the desires for spiritual advance. It fails to understand the true nature of the Christian life, which is not static but dynamic and expanding. It overlooks the fact that a new Christian is a living organism, as certainly as a new baby is, and must have nourishment and exercise to assure normal growth. It does not consider that the act of faith in Christ sets up a personal relationship between two intelligent moral beings, God and the reconciled man, and no single encounter between God and a creature made in His image could ever be sufficient to establish an intimate friendship between them. By trying to pack all of salvation into one experience or two, the advocates of instant Christianity flaunt the law of development which runs through all nature. They ignore the sanctifying effects of suffering, cross-carrying, and practical obedience. They pass by the need for spiritual training the necessity of forming right religious habits, and the need to wrestle against the world, the devil, and the flesh. Undue preoccupation with the initial act of believing has created in some a psychology of contentment, or at least of non-expectation. To many it has imparted a mood of disappointment with the Christian faith. God seems too far away, The world is too near and the flesh is too powerful to resist. Others are glad to accept the assurance of automatic blessedness. It relieves them of the need to watch and fight and pray and sets them free to enjoy this world while waiting for the next. Instant Christianity is 20th century's orthodoxy. I wonder whether the man who wrote Philippians 3 verses 7 through 16 would recognize it as the faith in which he finally died. I am afraid he would not. If you would like to know what he's talking about in Philippians chapter 3, I encourage you to hang on and wait to the end of the podcast. 
because today I am going to go deeper and I am going to read Philippians chapter 3 so that you will know what the author had to say and how it impacts us today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of it and the gift of going through it together in community, having one another and just knowing that even while we are listening now, we are not listening alone. We have brothers and sisters all over the world that are together with us in this no matter when we turn it on. So we thank you for your continual rhythm of bringing your word into the hearts and we ask that you continue to transform sanctify and change us through this daily rhythm. Teach us how to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving to you. We love you and we invite you into all the issues of this day. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So yes, today we're going to go deeper. So if you desire to hear what it says in Philippians chapter 3, I invite you to wait until the end of the podcast for that, going deeper into the Word of God. So as we wrap up today, remember, there is some place you can call. There is some place you can reach out. You can ask people to pray for you. It doesn't have to be public. It can be private if you desire. You just need to let us know what what you need us to pray for. So how can you do that? First of all, you can go to psalmscast.com. Yes, there's a website now. It's still in development, but I invite you to go. Another way you can do, if you're in the United States, you can call or text. That number is 470-240-1509. If you're not in the United States, you can use WhatsApp. It's the same number, but it has a 1 for the United States in front of it. So that number would be 1-470-240-1509. You can also use social media because Psalmscast is on Facebook, Twitter, and MeWe. And you can comment or you can message through any of those. So that's it for today. And I am Denise. I love you. I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Going deeper into the Word of God. Philippians chapter 3. In our final thoughts for today, I shared a writing from A.W. Tozer. He is a pastor who basically he taught God's Word, and he didn't do fluff stuff, y'all. He broke it down, and what he taught was very convicting because he wanted us to know the whole truth and not just to buy the cookie-cutter stuff that a lot of places put out there. Because if we don't know God, and if we are not sanctified by Jesus' blood, then have we followed a lie? So today, we're going to go a little deeper, and we're going to look what Philippians chapter 3 has to say. So, as I read, simply allow God's words of wisdom from this chapter to wash over you and through you, trusting the Holy Spirit to bring to your attention what He wants you to think about and consider today. Remember, the purpose of this section is for you to learn from the Holy Spirit how God wants you to apply His truth in your life. Before we jump in, I want to 
read something that the voice has to say, especially about the first part of this chapter, because it talks about circumcision. And so here's what it says. Circumcision has become a flashpoint for the early church. Some are teaching that non-Jews have to become Jews to follow Jesus completely, including circumcision, dietary regulations, keeping weekly and annual holy days, and other Jewish practices. Since the time of Abraham, circumcision has been the mark of the covenant with Abraham's spiritual children. Things are changing. Outsiders, non-Jews, are entering into the new covenant. Do they enter by faith alone, or is it faith plus following God's law for Israel? Paul's answer is clear. It is faith alone that makes Jews and outsiders right with God. So he cautions the Philippians to watch out for those who would chasten them into false circumcision. Real followers of Jesus know that salvation doesn't come from the blade of a knife, but from his cross. Philippians chapter 3 It is time that I wrap up these thoughts to you, my brothers and sisters. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't mind writing these things over and over to you, as I know it keeps you safe. Watch out for the dogs, wicked workers who run in packs looking for someone to maul with their false circumcision. We are the true circumcision, those who worship God in spirit and make our boast in Jesus, the anointed, the liberating King, so we do not rely on what we have accomplished in the flesh. If any try to throw around their pedigrees to you, remember my resume, which is more impressive than theirs. I was circumcised on the eighth day as the law prescribes, born of the nation of Israel, descendant from the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew born of Hebrews. I have observed the law according to the strict piety of the Pharisees, separate from those embracing a less rigorous kind of Judaism. Zealous? Yes, I ruthlessly pursued and prosecuted the church. And when it comes to righteousness required by the law, my record is spotless. But whatever I used to count as my greatest accomplishments, I've written them off as a loss because of the Anointed One. And more so, I now realize that all I gained and thought was important was nothing but yesterday's garbage compared to knowing the Anointed Jesus, my Lord. For Him, I have thrown everything aside. It's nothing but a pile of waste, so that I may gain Him When it counts, I want to be found belonging to Him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on law, but actively relying on the faithfulness of the Anointed One. This is true righteousness supplied by God, acquired by faith. I want to know Him inside and out. I want to experience the power of His resurrection and join in His suffering, shaped by His death so that I may arrive safely at the resurrection from the dead. I am not there yet, nor have I become perfect, 
but I am charging on to gain anything and everything the Anointed One, Jesus, has in store for me, and nothing will stand in my way because He has grabbed me and won't let me go. Brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I have not arrived, but there's one thing I am doing. I am leaving my old life behind, putting everything on the line for this mission. I am sprinting toward the only goal that counts, to cross the line, to win the prize, to hear God's call to resurrection life found exclusively in Jesus the Anointed. All of us who are mature ought to think the same way about these matters. If you have a different attitude, then God will reveal this to you as well. For now, let's hold on to what we have been shown and keep in step with these teachings. Imitate me, brothers and sisters, and look around to those already following the example we have set. I have warned you before, and now say again through my tears, that we have many enemies, people who reject the cross of the anointed. They are ruled by their bellies, their glory comes by shame, and their minds are fixed on the things of this world. They are doomed. But we are citizens of heaven, exiles on earth, waiting eagerly for the liberator, our Lord Jesus the anointed, to come and transform these humble earthly bodies into the form of His glorious body by the same power that brings all things under His control.